Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. In Luke chapter 22, it says this, Then seizing him, they led him away, this is Jesus, and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, and when, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it, that's Peter. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. Verse 59, about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. A bit of time passes then later. If you could turn with me now to John chapter 21. We're going to look a little bit later on after this event. John chapter 21. And verse 4. It says this. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. This is after Jesus has died and he's risen again. Now he's about to appear to the disciples. They're out fishing on the sea, and Jesus arrives on the shore. This is the resurrected Christ. So before, we've just heard in the first bit of Scripture in Luke 22, we've heard the story which we all may have heard of before, of of Peter denying Christ. This is when Christ gets arrested. Peter now is denying him. He stood by the fire in the court, in in, uh, in Solomon's colonnade, he sat there, and as he's round this fire, denying who Christ is, when people are asking, were you with him? And he's saying, no, I wasn't. And then Jesus looks at him, and he says, you know, before the, he prophesied, he says, before the, the roast, uh, rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. And right now, we pick up in John 21, a little bit later on, that Jesus now, he's died, he's now risen again, and now he's coming to appear, he's coming to find the one who denied him. He's coming to look for the one who's just denied him, and he's by the shore, and let's pick it up here in verse 4. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called this out to him, verse 5, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say this, It's the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off. He jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. Poor guys. For they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it. And some bread. Skip to verse 15. It says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he replied. You know that I love you. Jesus said, 
Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. This story that we've just read in Luke 22 and John 21 is, is in two separate parts. We've just looked at, first of all, I'm just going to explain the story that, again, Jesus is arrested in the garden at Gethsemane. We know that Peter was there with him, and he's just been arrested. Jesus took away, and, and Jesus had already prophesied that Peter, he says, you will one time, you're going to deny me three times. There's going to, time's going to come when you will deny who I am. That you were with me and anything to do with me. And Peter, would he didn't really believe that prophecy. I mean, what a kind of prophecy is that to get? That one time you're going to deny Jesus. And so he says, one time this is going to happen, Peter. And Peter finds himself in Solomon's colonnade. He finds himself a little bit later on when Jesus has been uh, took to, and he's been arrested. He tries to mingle in with the crowd and, sta- and sits around a little fire that's been made. And he's round the fire with some people. And these people begin to question him, saying, looking at him, saying, weren't you the guy who was with Jesus? Are you the guy who was with Jesus? And he begins to deny This is where he begins this denial process. And three questions are asked to Peter around this fire. They ask him, they say, are you the one? Are you the Galilean guy? And Peter is right there and he's sat there and he's denying Christ three times. Later on in John chapter 21 then, we see Jesus comes onto the shore. He looks out for these guys again after he knows that Peter's denied him. He's now resurrected. He's coming back in all his glory. And let me tell you, if you come back in all your glory and you come back that morning, maybe the first person you wouldn't want to talk to is the person who denied you. The person who totally rejected and said they didn't even know you. But the first thing that Jesus says is this. Friends, friends, have you got any fish? Not, guys, can you just come in and can I have a chat to you? Because I want to have a chat about the fact that you rejected me. I want to have a chat about the fact that you have just totally denied me. But he says, friends, have you got any fish? And then he, he performs a miracle. He's not even with them and he performs the miracle for them. How amazing Jesus is that he does these things. The first thing I see in that is in these two stories I want you to pick up first of all is this. That Jesus asks him three questions again. You see that when he brings him back and he brings him to the fire and he's cooking the fish on the fire. He asks Peter three questions. In other words, he gives him a second chance. At one time Peter was around a fire. And he denied him three times. Now he brings him back to the fire again. And he asks him another three questions again. I want to tell you today before I start. God is in the business of giving second and third chances. And fourth chances. Fifth chances. He does not reject you. If you've rejected him. He does not leave you if you've abandoned him. The same things can happen to us in life. There's some people here today maybe. Who have let God down. You feel like you've failed God. 
you feel like you have denied God or you've, you've not been able to stand up for God and today you feel that you're the ones who at once, you, you love God but then you go into a position where pressure got on you and you felt like you couldn't stand up for Jesus and you've denied Jesus, you've, you've kind of not stood up for your faith and you've denied him and some of us today can feel so um, convicted in our hearts that we can't move on because we failed him. That we can't pick ourselves up and that God has rejected us. But I want to tell you today that whatever you have done, whatever you have said, however you feel in your heart today, Jesus wants to give you another chance. And the first thing he does for these guys is he calls them friends. I want to tell you today that God is in the business of restoring and bringing you back to the place he wants you in. The title of the message today is Rising Up from the Ashes. Rising Up from the Ashes. I didn't ask Steve to sing Rising Up from the Ashes twice in two separate songs. God did. Rising up from the ashes. Listen, you may feel like your life, in some of the decisions you've made, like Peter, you feel like you're in the ashes. You feel like your life is in a position where you cannot pick yourself up. Circumstances in life. But I'm telling you today that God is in the business, just like he did with Peter, of restoring, seeking you out, and lifting you back up again to your rightful place with him. That's what he is. The first thing today I want to say is this. That Jesus wants to do in your circumstances, he wants to do in your lives, is recover your position. He wants to recover your position. The first thing we see is this, when Peter is sat around the fire and he's with these guys and Jesus is, he can see Jesus by the way, Jesus has been, he's been arrested. And he's trying to merge and camouflage him with the crowd here and trying to think, how can I get out of the fact that I've just been in Gethsemane and I've just cut off a guy's ear with my sword. I've just committed an act. You know, I've just, they could do me for GBH. They could do me for grievous bodily harm. They could do me for this. I'm going to merge him with the crowd. I'm going to sit here around the fire because this doesn't look good. Jesus doesn't look like he's been treated very well. I'm going to deny everything. Right there and then he realized he'd sinned. He had cut this man's ear off. He'd been at the scene of a crime. So many of us today in this room have sinned and you feel like your sin has separated you from Jesus. You feel like your sin has brought you to the ashes where there is no picking yourself back up because you feel so convicted that all you want to do is camouflage yourself with other people who are sinners because you feel like he will not forgive you. But let me tell you this, Jesus is in the business of forgiving People for their sins. That's why he died for you. And right there and then he sat around this fire trying to camouflage in. So he can't be seen. I was just telling Emma the other day. We drove past the police station. Every time we drive from church, Lewis wants to drive past the police station. He likes to see if he can see the, the police officers and he's looking through the door. And I, and I said to him, I said, I remember once when I was in there. Not in the police. I wasn't in jail. <laughs> Nearly. I was once called to do a lineup. A one of the, you know, put all the criminals and, and I, and they, they asked me to stand there. They said, we'll give you 20 pounds if you come and do a lineup. I thought, good, I was a student. I thought, who looks like me who's done a criminal act? I was a bit scared. So I went down there to get my, all I was bothered about was the 20 quid. 
But I was a little bit worried that I actually get caught. So they said, we can reassure you, even if they select you, you will not be caught. You know, we know who it is. We just hope that they detect the right person. But I'm telling you, I stood against this line. I was stood there looking. And all I could think is, who is the guy who really did it? I was trying to, I'm thinking, I wonder if it's the person stood next to me. All the time I'm thinking, which one looks like the real criminal? And then people were looking at me maybe who've been paid 20 quid thinking, I wonder if that guy is. And it's kind of strange feeling. But you know, you're trying to camouflage yourself. And I was trying all my best to do when I heard the person walk in. I'm thinking, try not to look like a criminal. <laughs> Just, I was trying, what can you, how can you not look like a criminal in a lineup? I got the 20 quid. But some of us, you know, we try to camouflage ourselves. We, we, we try to hide the fact that Jesus wants to forgive your sin. And you, there is nothing that you can do. Jesus, he rejected Jesus. Now he's trying to fit in with the crowd and act like he's nothing to do with the, cr- the scene of the crime. You know, it's like someone ringing up saying, I think I've seen him on Crime Watch. Peter, he was there, I saw him. The guy you mentioned who cut the guy's ear off, he's the sinner, I've seen him. He's the guy by the fire with the guys talking. And he's like, no, 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 it's not me. Notice Jesus never turned over and says, that's the guy who was with me. He didn't point over and say, yes, he's the one who sinned. Some of us today have sinned. We can look back to a point in our lives, the specific sins. We know we sin in many different things. But there are certain things in your life, like key sins, that you know that are so big in your heart and your mind, that it takes you back to this period of time. And you wish you could go back. Just recently, I went to buy a computer and uh, an, an Apple Mac, and the guy said to me, said to me, uh, when, when I looked again, this second hand Mac, I bought it on eBay, I met him, and, 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 and he said to me, I just want to tell you a bit of information about this. He said, when you turn it on, make sure you use this software called Time Machine. Wow. Time Machine. I said, what happens with this? Does it send you back in time? It sounds good. I know Apple are, I know Apple are good, but Time Machine, what is this? It's only, it's only 100 quid, this machine. And he said to me, he said, well, what it is, he said, if you make any errors, if you do anything wrong, you can, up, you can open Time Machine, and Time Machine will remember a specific date. You can go back to any single date, time, and you can restore your machine back to that exact day and that exact time when the machine didn't have the problem. I said, well, wow, that sounds great. I'm going to make sure I use Time Machine. Let me tell you, some of us today are like that. We wish, we're living our lives wishing that we had time machine. We're living, we're living our lives wishing that we could go in the machine now in our lives and look for the selected date that was just before the time we did the sin and restore back to the previous settings. But do you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is not interested in you trying to restore back to three years ago. He wants you now how you are now. He wants you now. He's not interested in time machine. He's not interested in going back three, five years and ten years back to the moment just before you committed a sin. He's saying, I don't want to do that because the years that you've lived, I want you just as you are. Because what he did on the cross covers all sin. Everything right till now. You don't need a time machine. You need Jesus to come right now and forgive you of your sin. Every single thing you've done. Some of us today, we, want, we need to recover our position because of sin. We need to recover where we are. 
restoring ourselves back, not to an old date, not to an old time, but right now where we are. And Jesus can do that for you today. Whatever you've done, whatever we've said or done, Jesus can do this. If you remember this, in John chapter 8, the famous story of Jesus meeting the the adulterous woman. He says this in John chapter 8 verse 10. He says, has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said, then neither do I, he said. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. He says, go now and leave your life of sin. He said, no, I'm not going to take you back and we're going to do a bit of a counseling session right back to the time when you committed adultery. No, go now and leave your life of sin. And I, and I, I don't know if you've ever looked at this, but he says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. All the guys realized that they were sinners, so they couldn't cast the stone. There was one person who could cast the stone there. That's Jesus. He could have picked up a stone and said, hang on, I am the sinless one. I am the perfect one. I have got all rights in me to throw a stone at you and kill you. You deserve death under the law. But he didn't. He said, go now and leave your life of sin. In other words, Jesus is in the business of going from now and saying, I could, I could condemn you. You should have death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Go now. Leave your life of sin. Walk into the eternal life. That's the message of the cross. Leave it all behind and walk into what he has given you. Peter did not want to be caught. He didn't want to be caught. He didn't want to be caught. He didn't want to be done for these wrongs. And he must have felt so convicted of the sin of cutting the man's ear off. And Jesus says, you know, it's not about swords. It's not about time for this now, about doing these kind of things. He knew that that was the purpose that he should be took to the cross. Let me just tell you a little bit later on when Jesus is on the shore and the boat's out there and he says, friends, and he shouts out to them, friends. I think it's amazing. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but before Jesus meets them, he does a miracle for them. He gives them provision. He gives them the the fish, the miracle of fish. He could have said, guys, you don't deserve anything. You've just rejected me, Peter. But now he says, put your nets on the right side and you're going to get a miraculous catch. In other words, Jesus says to you today, look, I'm not looking at your sin. I'm saying to you, I want to bless you. Just ask for my forgiveness and I will continue pouring out my blessing upon you. Miracle after miracle in your life, no matter what you've done. I don't care. I just want you to just acknowledge your sin, believe in me, and I will do the rest. And he does a miracle for them. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Some of us are keeping so many records... We keep so many books that rather than read the Bible, we probably read out all our sins to him. Going through every single thing we've got done wrong. He wants you to come to him and ask for forgiveness. But he keeps no record of our wrongs. I don't know if you ever remember in Luke chapter 5, Jesus met Peter and he did a miraculous catch then. Different story. Remember? He meets him and remember what Peter says when he comes onto the shore and he meets Jesus. He's had a miraculous catch. He's seen a load of nets full of fish. Different story. Meets Jesus on the shore. And the first thing he says to, to Jesus is, 
Go away from me, I am a sinful man. He associates blessing with his sin. He says, I don't deserve any of these fish that you've just given me because I'm sinful. Now imagine how he feels when Jesus rocks up again on the shore, shouts out and says, I'm going to do another miracle. And Peter sat in the boat thinking, I cannot believe Jesus is here. I denied him. But yet, before he's even conversating with me about this, he wants to bless me with another load of fish. Again. Twice. Hasn't he learned by now that I'm no good? Hasn't he learned by now that I am just a, a reject? I'm worthless. There's no point even using me because if he sees me on the boat, but yet he's wanting to give me more fish again. Jesus gives you third, fourth, fifth, as many chances. However much you sinned. It reveals God's extravagant grace. And it reveals his choice to forget. His choice to forget when we confess our sins. Do you know what God wants? Before I move on from this key thing which is sin. He wants a repenting heart. You need to repent. Listen, I say it many times here. When we sin, it's not about as, as, as thinking that we live this grace, super grace, hyper grace life where we can do whatever we want. But Jesus wants a repentant heart. And a repentant heart means that you choose to turn the other way from your sin and change. You'll find in Acts chapter 3 verse 19 that Peter discovers repentance when he says this. He says to his listeners, who, when he was preaching, he says this, repent. This is Peter, the one who sinned a little bit later on. He's preaching. He says, repent. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Peter realized later on when he starts preaching and he starts being used for God, the key is repentance. He realized that if you repent, times of refreshing will come. <laughs> times of refreshing. That's restoration. That's recovery from your position. Henry Ford, who was the guy who started the Ford Motor Car Company, he once said this, failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, but this time more intelligibly. In other words, he understood that failure happens, but it's an opportunity to have another go, have another go, but do it with intelligence from the previous mistake. In other words, that's what repentance is. Have another go, but learn from your mistakes. Repentance is not keep doing it and knowing that God's just going to keep forgiving. Learn with wisdom from your mistakes. What happens is that repentance should make us wise to what's the, 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 the effects of sin in our lives. In other words, then you, you think, right, I'm not going to let this thing cripple me. I'm going to now learn that that's not good, so I'm going to try again. And that's what a repentant heart, what God's looking for in sin. He's looking for you to try again with a heart that is contrite before him. Number two today, he wants to do this. He wants to reinstate your identity. The very thing that Peter does is this. He sat around the fire again, and these people start to ask him, aren't you the guy who was with him? Aren't you the Galilean guy? You're a Galilean, aren't you? Now, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but he says the, the reason why they notice it is because of his Galilean accent. 
I'm not, I'm going to ask you a question. Have I ever been able to disguise to you that I'm a southerner? Have I ever been able to dis, Steve's laughing here. I try every week to speak really well. Sometimes it doesn't work. But my accent is my accent. I'm a northerner. I've lived here in Cambridge longer than I've lived up north. But unfortunately, my accent is still there with me. And you see Peter sat around the fire. You can imagine him trying to use his accents, thinking, what accent can I use to disguise that I'm not a Galilean? You know, they're going to know I'm with him because they'll recognize the accent. So you can imagine, I'd love to have heard what Peter sounded like around the fire, trying to disguise the accent. You know, you know, so they don't hear. And they were thinking, I'm sure I can hear Galilean twang. You're the Galilean, aren't you? He's a Galilean. And they were listening to him. So many of us try to do this. We deny our identity. We lose our identity because we trade it off. Jesus, when you were born again, if you give your life to Jesus and you're born again by the Spirit of God, there's a day of birth in the Spirit. You've all been born by the flesh and blood. The Bible says that. But Jesus says he wants, to, he wants you to be born again by the Spirit. So there's a day in your calendar, you'll know if you give your life to Jesus, that you gave your life to Jesus and your spirit become alive. And some of us, just like Peter, we give our lives to Jesus and then one moment we've traded our identity with God. And what we do is we trade our spiritual identity when things go wrong and we fail God, we trade our spiritual identity for our flesh again. And we go back to the flesh identity. We start living in the realm of the flesh instead of the spirit. And Jesus wants you and me to live always in the identity, the new identity he's given us in the spirit, which is to live your life by the spirit, not by the flesh. And this is what happens when the enemy comes in our lives and tries to rob us of our identity, take us down so we feel like our identity is in the ashes. We've traded off. Uh, we, we're, not, we're not born again because we don't want to stand up for God and we failed him. We, we, we think, my identity in Christ, it's just not there. I'm going to go back to the old identity. I know the old nature, the flesh nature. And Jesus sent you today, don't listen to the lie of the enemy. You need to live life by the Spirit. Because I died for that for you. It's free. When we repent, we can live. We can restore back this identity. The enemy wants us to be in this identity of the flesh, believing that that's all we can live in. Some of us today have got, we're living in these wrong identities. It's mixed up and we don't, we're not really sure where we are with Christ. We're not really sure where we are standing. Quite a few years ago, my TV broke, and I went to a place to get it repaired just out of Cambridge. And um, I drove up, and I had the TV in the back of the car, and I stick my TV in there. It was, then it wasn't a flat screen, so then it was when you had to carry TVs, and they were really heavy, you know? You know, it's like you felt when you were moving house, like leaving the TV there. It was so much easier. Now you can, you know, you can pick six up at once. And I took this TV, it took me ages to get it back. I had a little Peugeot 106, or Emma did. We had this little green Peugeot 106. And I stuck this TV, I was trying to, it was a two-door Peugeot 106. So we couldn't, you had to put the seat forward. And I was trying to shove the TV round the back of this chair to get it onto the, the, the back of the seat. So I go out to this shop, and I pull up at the back of the shop in this, in this like industrial complex. 
And somebody told me, this place is really good. They fix your TVs quite cheap. It wasn't a normal shop. This is like an industrial estate. So I walk up. I thought, I'll leave the, ca- I'll leave the TV in the car, and I'll go into this place, and I'll check out the place first before I get the TV out, because it looks like just an industrial unit. So there I go. I walk into this industrial unit. And I walk up, and there is a, a serving area. And I walk up to the serving area to get served. I'm stood there and I thought, wow, this is a kind of a strange place. It's, it's not like a normal shop. And then all of a sudden, a gentleman walks into me and he says this to me. He puts a piece of paper down. I'm ready to say to him, I've got my, um, my, my, my Philips TV. It's a D6. He, he got him first. And he said to me, he put a piece of paper down on the table. Panasonic 639. I thought, mine's not a Panasonic. Mine's a Philips. And I know it's broke. It's in the back of the Persian. And I, th- and I said... I'm sorry, mine's not a Panasonic. I said, mine's a Philips and it's, it's in the back of the car. Do you want to go and get it? And the, the guy looked at me in my face and he's just confused. So we both looked confused of who each other were. Till all of a sudden, the guy whose shop it was comes back out of the toilet, walks in and I realize I'm stood behind the serving area. And the guy thinks that I, he's coming to collect his Panasonic TV from me. So I'm stood there and he's saying the Panasonic D693, and I'm saying, I'm sorry, no, I've got a Philips. I think he was a little bit gutted. I think he thought, what, you're going to trade me a, a Philips TV for a Panasonic? And the guy comes in, looks at me and says, excuse me, sir, what are you doing here? I realized I'd walked in through the back entrance straight into the shop, and I was in the serving area. My identity was completely mixed up. I was looking at, neither of us knew either, either of us were. We were looking at each other, gone out. It was the guy who came in and put it all in perspective. And then I I sheepishly had to go out of the back door, walk around, and then go behind the man who was queuing for the Panasonic TV, then get up again and then say, I've got a Philips TV, and repeat it all over again. Listen to me. Some of us can live like this. We're living, we don't know who we are anymore. We're living in a mixed identity. And sometimes it takes someone to come in and put it all into perspective and say, Guy, mate, wait, you're in the wrong place. You should be that side. This is not your place. And God is coming today to remind you of your identity in him, that you, when you give your life to Jesus, it says we're born by the Spirit. He gives us new life in him. And it says the Bible tells us we should live life by the Spirit, not by the flesh. I want to remind you today because the enemy wants to tell you to live in the flesh. It's easy. Just, just please gratify the desires of your flesh. Easy. But Jesus says, no, live life by the Spirit. That's the identity I've given you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 8 to 11, it says this. Paul says, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone, this is very important to hear, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Read that one. Put that one on your fridge. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to him. We believe in this church that we should be born again of the Spirit of God and filled with the Holy Ghost, clothed with power from on high. It's not about religion, it's about relationship with Jesus Christ. And when he fills you with his Holy Spirit, you'll do nothing but want to get into this building and worship him. Not because we tell you to, but because you want to. That's what real, true relationship with Jesus is. And when we live by the Spirit, it's not about trying to be someone we're not. It's who we know who we are in Christ. Hallelujah. Number three today. He wants to restore your confidence. Confidence. 
He wants to restore from the ashes and bring back to life our confidence. Do you know one of the things we lose when we give up and we fail on God? We feel we don't feel confident anymore. Our courage is gone. We can't feel confident in Christ. We don't feel like we can do anything for him anymore. And the very thing that the enemy wants to rob off you is your confidence. Because if he takes your confidence, if he gets you to think that you're living in sin, if he gets you to think that you're a failure and that you can't achieve anymore for him, and then you get to a place where you feel there is confidence has all been stripped away simply because of sin and that you're living life in the flesh again in the wrong identity. Then he wants to take your confidence because you can't, you can't come to church anymore and start speaking boldly about Jesus because you're so convicted of sin that you're done. But Jesus says, no, 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 wait a minute. There's another part of this. I want to restore your confidence as well. So he says to Peter, he wants to restore his confidence. If you remember in Luke 22, it said this. Just as Peter was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoke to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. You imagine when Jesus glanced over at Peter after he denies him three times. Imagine how Peter felt. I bet he thought, I can never look him in the eye again. I cannot look Jesus in the eye again. He's just looked at me over this fire. He's seen me trying to deny him. He's now reminding me of the prophecy he told me that I would deny him. Now he's glanced at me in the eye. I cannot look in the, in the eyes of Jesus again and have any confidence in my relationship with him. And this is what some of us do. We come to church, sin, all these things, grip us. We live in the wrong identity. And then we come and we can't even sing and look Jesus in the eye. We can't do it because our confidence has been robbed. But Jesus didn't turn to him and say, son, that's it. You finished. You've just let me down. He comes on the morning on the shore and he shouts out, friends, friends, have you got any fish? Have you got any fish? Friends, have you got any fish? Listen to me. When Jesus says that you're his friend, he means it. He means it. When Jesus says that he's your friend, he means it. Some of us think when we come into church, we're so convicted, our, our confidence is gone, that we feel like he's not really our friend. In fact, he's the one shaking the stick. He's the one who's saying, no, you've done so many bad stuff. There's the, you've gone past it, son. You've gone past it, daughter. There's no going back. Listen to this. James 2.23. Abraham believed God, it said. And it was credited, credited to him as righteousness. as the sin dealt with. And he was called God's friend. He was called God's friend. He wants to restore your confidence today. He wants to give you back what you had. I want you to see this. Now Peter's in the boat. Jesus shouting friend to him. He's shouting out, friend, have you got any fish? Then they get the miraculous catch. And, G and then it says Peter recognizes that it's Jesus. Now he realizes the one he's rejected at the fire over with his friends. He's now seen. He's done a miracle for them. He's called him his friend. And now what is he going to do? Does he hang around in the boat and hide? No. Peter 
And this is what we all need to do today. Peter, he says, he takes, he puts back on his garment that he took off. And he says he jumps into the water and he heads back to the shore where Jesus is before any of them. So he leaves them all to deal with the fish. Peter's the first one to realize that there is forgiveness. Jesus has just called him a friend. He's just done a miracle. There's no need for this. It doesn't add up. It doesn't work out. How can this be? Therefore, Jesus must give me and he's giving me another chance. So he jumps into the water and he's scrambling to get to the shore before any of the other guys. Listen, this is how Jesus wants you to respond to him today. He wants you to get out of the boat of your disappointment. Get out of the boat of where you feel so convicted. And he wants you to run and jump to the shore to him. I want you to remind you of something. Before this story, there was an incident where Jesus met Peter in a boat on the sea. But that time he walked on water with confidence in the Lord. This time he didn't walk on any water. When Jesus sees him, very similar story. Jesus, he, when he realized Jesus was walking on the water, as soon as he realized Jesus was walking on the water in that story, he walks on the water to him. Because he had so much confidence in his relationship with God. And you can imagine then, he thought, he didn't say, oh, I'm going to try and walk on the water again. He realized his frailty. He realized he needed to get back to God and start building relationship again to get confidence back so that he could do things like walking on the water again. He didn't jump out and say, wait a minute, Lord. Before I come back to the shore, I remember the miracle where I walked on the water. Can you do that again, please? No. He jumps out and he says he just runs through the water. Do you know sometimes we can't rely on miracles the miracles to confirm our relationship with him. You see, the, the miracle of walking on the water wasn't establishing how strong his relationship with God was. It was showing how confident he was in the Lord. Now what happened now is his confidence is robbed. Let me tell you, the miracle of the fish coming in was nothing to do with showing how his relationship is with the Lord. And if he'd have walked on the water, it wasn't. Sometimes we can treat miracles, the, the presence of a miracle confirming our relationship with the Lord. It's nothing to do with the miracles. Nothing to do with the power of God. It's about relationship. He runs to the shore and he gets back there. He arrives and meets Jesus. Peter didn't seek the miracle. He left the guys getting the fish in. He just wanted to get back right with God. And some of us today need to get right with God again. Some of us today need to restore ourselves and our confidence back. Not because you've got to tick off some list of things to do. But he says, I want you to come just as you are, like children. Come to me and I will restore everything back to you. Because I've forgiven you. Do you know what? In this room today, there's no condemnation. All there is is conviction of the Holy Spirit to come back to the Father, who says, I want to love you, I want to forgive you, come on son, come on daughter, come back to the shore, I'm here waiting for you, that's what he wants to do for you, that's what he wants to do, Proverbs 3.26 says this, for the Lord will be your confidence, and will keep your foot from being caught, the Lord will be your confidence, not a miracle, not the presence of some healing taking place that says, oh, you know, I can see God's just done a healing through me, so therefore my relationship must be really strong. I'm going to rely on the miracles to, to show that I'm really strong with God. No, the Lord will be your confidence. Not the miracles, the Lord. And finally, number four, the final thing that I believe he wants to do is this, replenish your passion. 
He wants to replenish your passion for him. One of the things that we do when we fail God and we, we let him down and, and, and we get in this position and we feel like we're so in the ashes, the one thing that we don't have then is passion for him. We're just living a life looking like we're trying to hide the fact that we are not really passionate for him. But do you know what he wants to do? He's not saying to you, look, I'm not looking at how passionate you're worshipping me. He's looking at you saying, I know that if, I, if, if you live this thing out, if you let me come inside of you by my spirit and restore you like I want to restore you, the passion will automatically come back. The passion will just revive in you because you'll realize these three things. You'll realize you're not a sinner because you're covered by my blood. You'll realize that you can live life by the spirit again. Because I've given you a new identity. And you'll realize that you have got confidence because if you know that you're not a sinner and you live through my righteousness and in my identity, you'll have confidence to keep on going. Therefore, I'll replenish your passion. Therefore, I'll give you a passion. Because if you have all the other three things, you're going to be passionate for God. If you lose them, you ain't going to be passionate for him. He wants us all to be passionate. And today the Lord would say to you, I want to replenish that passion in your heart. That passion that I remember when I first got saved and I gave my life to Jesus. Oh boy, I was so passionate. I'd like to think I'm passionate, more passionate now than I was then. But I remember, boy, did, did God get older me. And life sometimes drains it out of us. And we feel like we're in the ashes. But he wants to replenish you today. He says this, that Peter, when he rejected Jesus... When he rejects Jesus at that fire, he says this, that as soon as Jesus rec- reveals to him that he's denied him three times, this is what he does. He gets up and he says he walks outside away from the fire. He gets out of the scenario, he walks away. He says he walks away, he gets outside, and he says he weeps bitterly. Some of us today are not passionate for God. We're weeping bitterly about how bad we feel in our lives because of where we're at. In our situation. And we don't feel like we're a Christian. And we're weeping bitterly. If you're not weeping physically, your heart is weeping bitterly. And you walk away from the scenario. You can't stand being around the guys who've just put you in the place of the crime. That Jesus just convicted and you just walk outside and it says, we want to get away from this, this place. And we're weeping inside bitterly. I don't know if that's you today. And you feel like walking away. But Jesus wants to remind you today. That there is a position for you to come back so he can replenish your passion. He doesn't want you weeping bitterly in your heart. He doesn't want you feeling so bad about yourself that you're crying and thinking, I failed God. He wants to replenish everything. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I saw it when I looked into this and I was studying the word. But in these two scenarios, two different points of time, Jesus comes, first of all, and tells Peter that he's going to deny him. Then we see the scenario where, G- where Peter denies him by the fire in this place. And Jesus sees him and then the rooster crows. But then later on, I don't know if you notice this, but as soon as Peter is trudging through the water and he gets back to the shore, what is the first thing that he sees? A fire. He sees a fire on the shore. But this time, Jesus is cooking fish. This time... It's a little bit different to the fire when he denied him. Now he's coming and there's some provision on the, on the, on, on the, on the fire. This ain't a fire. 
And I can imagine that as he rocks up on the beach and he's just realized that Peter's there and he arrives on the beach, I can imagine him thinking, oh, the fire. I remember the last time I was sat around the fire and denying him and he saw me and all that and everything starts flooding back. I believe that the Lord, that's how he gently convicts us of sin. He reminds us of our sin, but he says, look, son, daughter, there's a fish on here. We're going to have a barbecue. I'm not here to condemn you. You remember the time when you sinned, son? Come and sit down and have a bite to eat. Come and sit and eat. Come and sit down. I've got provision. I've just got a, done a miracle for you. And he's probably thinking everything reminds him of the time he sinned. But Jesus says, I don't want you to feel bad about this. I want to show you that you can be risen from the ashes of this fire. This time that you look at, this pivotal point in time where you remember being around the fire and it all went wrong and you looked in that fire and stared there and felt like running out of the room and you felt like you were as bad as those ashes in the fire. Listen, I'm telling you, here's a new fire. Here's some provision. Come and sit with me. Dine with me. Because there's a hope and a future and there's passion for you. The final thing that he says to Peter as he sat by this fire. He asks him three more questions again. He gives him an opportunity. It's like, it's like being able to go on a show again, isn't it, where you failed to win the prize. And another opportunity to go back on and take the questions again. He gets three more questions. He says, do you love me, Peter, more than these? I don't know what he was talking about. Was he talking about his friends or was he talking about the fish on the barbecue? I've got no idea what he was talking about. But he said, do you love me more than these? He's given him an opportunity to say, do you love me? That's all I want to know. Do you love me? Not... Let's go through the scenario when you reject me. No, do you love me, Peter? And he says, yeah, I do. And he says it again. And he asks him three times. And do you know what he says to him, his response? He doesn't say, oh, thanks, Peter. I'm glad we've cleared that up. Oh, thanks, Peter. I'm glad we've cleared that one up. Because, you know, I was really, really hurt when you said those things about me. When you didn't even claim to be a Galilean. He didn't say any of that. He says this. He says, do you love me? Ask him three times. He gets it all right every time. But every time he says to him, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Do you know what he's doing there? He's saying to him this. He's not talking anything about history. He's saying there is, a, there is something for you to do. There's a job. And I'm giving you a hope and a future. Therefore, I have passion with it. Because I'm giving you a job now to go and preach the gospel. I'm giving you a job now to go and do the work again. Your job has not failed. Your identity in me has not failed. Therefore, if you love me, we cleared it up. There you go. There's the job description again. Go and do it. I believe in you, son. And that's what he wants to say to you today. To give you your passion back. To give you everything restored. Restore everything back to how it should be. So that you know that you have a hope and a future in him. To do the work for Jesus. Jesus wanted to show Peter that he could reignite. He could reignite that flame. Those ashes, those embers that were going down. And I can imagine him looking at that fire thinking, I remember when I was around the fire. But you know what? This is amazing. Jesus has really forgiven me. There is hope for everyone to rise from the ashes of all the failure, all the mess-ups, all the sin, all the things that we're doing wrong, to walk in him. Amen? In Philippians 3, verse 12 to 14, Paul says this. 
Not that I have already obtained all this. Or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on. To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But he says this. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind. And straining to what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. To win the prize. For which God has called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus. Forget what's behind. Strain towards the prize. Go for the goal. Leave it all behind. Because just as he said to the adulteress, he said, Go now, leave your life of sin. Go now and leave it. Leave it there. Today Jesus says, I will cast all your sins in the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west. You can't get a better deal than that. You cannot get a better deal than that anywhere in the world. Jesus today wants to forgive. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.